Howdy, everybody. The following is a recorded discussion with Chaplain Raymond, our Attorney General for the Republic State of Texas. We've been going over a book called The Authority of Law by Charles A. Wiseman. Today we discuss Chapter 3, The Enacting Clause, and Constitutional Requirements of Laws. Hope you enjoy. All right. Today is the 17th of February, 2011. We're going to be starting our portion of the Authority of Law course that covers the enacting clause. Yesterday you discovered that there are the source of a set of laws may not be what you think it is. And remember the authority of the law comes from knowing the source and whether you have a relationship to it. Now, we found that one way of knowing and identifying authority on any given set of laws is it through its enacting clause. But today, let's just start with the maxim that's on the, uh, in the email that was sent, where there is no authority for establishing a rule, there is no necessity of obeying it. That's from Black Second, and you know that uh, that relates very much to what we learned yesterday. Now, we're going to start with the constitutional requirements of laws. All written constitutions prescribe the mode and process of making laws or it's not a constitution. This includes the reading of the bill on three different days in each house. And that means it's done six days here. And they could do it on the same day. But, and if it is passed, it is to be signed by the Speaker of the House and by the President of the Senate the recording of the votes upon the journal, eyes and nays, and then being signed by the governor or president and any other such procedures that have been defined. But the constitutions also regulate the form and style in which the laws are to be enacted to make them laws of the state. The form and style are regarded as essential parts of the law and thus must be included at all times with the law in order to make it a valid law. Laws and statutes traditionally have three main parts that must be there. They are one, the title, two, the enacting clause, and three, the body of the law. The title and the enacting clause of the law are two aspects of its form and style which are necessitated by both fundamental law or historical tradition and requirements and the constitutional mandate. Titles and enacting clauses have been used in the process of making laws long before America was a country. But when the comprehensive revised statutes started to be used, the titles and enacting clauses 
disappeared from the records in the publication of the laws. A look at any modern revised or codified state statute book or the United States Code will reveal that the laws within them have neither titles nor enacting clauses. What does this mean? Well, we have to look at these areas specifically to see the ramifications they have on the authority of law as found in these codes and revisions. We will first examine the enacting clause as this is the main item that directly relates to the authority of law. Now, an enacting clause, sometimes called an enacting style, or enacting authority is that part of the law which usually comes after the title and before the body of the law. The following shows the manner in which this provision is prescribed in some of our state constitutions. The Constitution of California 1879 section 1 the enacting clause of every law shall be as follows the people of the state of California represented in Senate and Assembly do enact as follows. Constitution of Indiana, 1851, Section 1. The of every law shall be, be it enacted by the General Assembly of the state of Indiana. Constitution of Texas in 1876. The enacting clause of all laws shall be, be, be it enacted by the legislature of the state of Texas. Constitution of North Carolina, 1876. The style of the acts shall be, the General Assembly of North Carolina do enact. And the reason those four are chosen, because they represent four different styles, so to speak, of doing the same thing. The Constitution for the United States does not prescribe an enacting clause. But Congress, from the very beginning, has used such a clause on the congressional laws. The, the style which has preceded all laws in Congress is, be it enacted by the Senate and the House of Representatives of the United States of America. Now, the Supreme Court of Georgia in 1967 said that the constitutions of 46 states specify the form of the enacting clause. Only the constitutions of Delaware, Georgia, Pennsylvania, and Virginia, as well as the Constitution of the United States, are silent on the point. The court also stated the function and purpose of such a provision. The enacting clause is that portion of a statute which gives it jurisdictionality and constitutional authenticity. The purpose of an enacting clause is to establish the act, to give it permanence, uniformity, and certainty to afford evidence of its legislative statutory nature, nature excuse me, and thus prevent inadvertence, 
possible, possible mistake and fraud. Now, the enacting clause gives a statute its constitutional authenticity, which makes its use essential since the Constitution is the source of the legislature's authority for enacting laws. A law cannot be regarded as coming from a constitutionally authorized source if it does not have an enacting clause. The enacting clause provides evidence that the law which follows is, excuse me, I know that it is of the proper legislative source or jurisdiction. This function and purpose of such a constitutional provision has often been expressly stated. When is the, what is the object of the style of a bill or enacting clause anyway? To show the authority by which the bill is enacted into law. To show that the act comes from a place pointed out by the Constitution as the source of legislation. The enacting clause is a short formal statement appearing after the title indicating that all, all which follows is to become law and giving the authority by which the law is made. There is no excuse for not using it. The, exacting, the enacting clause is the section of a bill or statute which establishes the whole document as a law. The enacting part of a statute is that which declares its enactment and identifies it as an act of legislation. Since the legislature and not any other body or agency is given certain lawmaking authority an enacting clause is necessary to show that the law in question comes from that duly assembled legislature. If any law is to have authority behind it, it must have an enacting clause preceding it and is required by the Constitution and fundamental Now. We're going to get into some historical usage of the enacting clause, so you'll get a greater feel for how and what it means. And it's much longer than what we have here today, so I'm going to cover this portion, but I'm going to leave the final two sentences off as part of tomorrow's. An enacting clause of some sort has long been used to preface a law, order, or command so as to declare or make known to all concerned the source of the law and thereby the authority for that law or order to exist. It is in effect a statement of the name of the authority that enacted the law fixed to the law or on its face to make it clear that all which follows is to be law from authority so named. The almost unbroken custom of centuries has been to preface laws with a statement in some form declaring the enacting authority. The purpose of an enacting clause of a statute is to identify it as an act of legislation by expressing on its face 
the authority behind the act. The use of an enacting clause is one of the oldest concepts used in the process of issuing or enacting laws, edicts, and commands to identify the source and the authority for the law. Now I'm going to stop there and see if you have any questions. Why do you think why do you think it was that the United States initially didn't have an acting clause? Because they were lawful people. They remember the phrase here fundamental law. They practiced fundamental law. Everyone yeah. knew fundamental law. Yes, I can understand that. Okay. And therefore it did they felt Thomas Jefferson actually commented at one point when someone asked him, well, why don't you write all this stuff down? <laughs> and he says, you know, we'd never finish. If we had to write and put in the Constitution all of the fundamental law that is implicit in carrying out what we say here, you won't, you, you'll never get it all written down. This thing would be pages and pages and pages long. Now, stop and think about that. The maxims are what he's referring to. And this principle of the enacting clause. The, it used to be when the king did it, which we'll cover, how it, how it was when the king did it, and so on and so forth. It's just, this is how we knew who it was from. Now, in the old days when it was written on paper and certain people knew how to read, they would use signet rings and seals and other ways to verify that the piece of paper you were looking at really came from that authority or that source. Uh, I'm hearing speakers. Uh, does, does somebody have a speakerphone on? If you could turn that off. So what we have here then is the fundamental practice was defined and understood. And that's why all the older constitutions don't have it in there. Not because it was invented later. We find that as man has begun to get in the habit of uh, being able to just twist laws and turn laws, and gain control of other men, uh, gain possession of the other man's sovereignty, and use it, uh, taking away his sovereignty, then the enacting clause becomes an, a necessary item to be present. Now, it's so much so that it, it does not appear in those laws that aren't laws. Now, historically, what I see happening is this uh, progressive achievement of just a little sliver at a time. Someday, let's just talk about Obamacare. 
I would love to see some one of you out there do a really good research and see whether the 2,600 pages was actually a statute with an enacting clause or was it the result of a committee product? Now, it only took them a couple days to get it out there, so I don't think it was a product of the legislature. 2,600 pages. Now, it has an enacting clause. You know they didn't write it. Yeah. So we have now the counterfeit. We have been abusing these other codes for so long that we can have counterfeit statutes. So is it a statute? Was it a statute? Where was the commission that wrote it? Can we use that to confirm that all people have to do is go down to their post office, purchase a certified envelope and everything and get it prepared and send it to Washington with their social security number and say, I do not consent. 300 million letters like that in a commercial contract with me say, look, we don't want any part of this contract. So, you know, the, the is Obamacare, we know that for the corporation to do it, it has to be a contract. But we also know that in contract law, you cannot agree to contract. Because you don't know in advance what's going to be in the contract. Each contract has to be knowingly, willingly, and intentionally entered into. So for the lawyers who know better to put a piece of a document together that says you are required to go enter into this contract. For from time immemorial, that was you know, not allowed. You couldn't agree to agree. Okay? There's, it was just improper. And you could trick people into things, agreeing, well, you agreed that you were going to agree to this. <laughs> and so that's why it's not valid. So now you have the other aspect. Well, people who write contract law have a thing called severability that they can agree to. Well, if any part of this is found to be illegal or unconstitutional, we'll put the scissors to it and cut that piece out. We'll sever it from the rest and throw it away. Well, in the case of Obamacare, they couldn't put that in and provide the illusion that it would pay for itself because it would take out all of the pieces that were supposed to bring revenue in. So, you know, they had kind of a horns of a dilemma there and hoping that nobody would have the nerve to say anything about it.
So I'd like to know, was Obamacare code to start with? Were we entering a new era where the legislature only got codes to adopt that do not have an acting clause? I don't know. I don't I have not had time, and it's a major piece of work, you know, to try to find some of this out sometimes when it's part of the disguise. Um, any more questions? Okay. Well, does, are there any more questions? Not on this topic. Okay. Chaplain Raymond, do you have any more statements? No, no. Okay. Go. All right. I'll go ahead and stop the recording for today.